It's been almost two months since we launched She Launch, and you know when you love something so much that you want to do it every single day? That is me on the coaching calls inside She Launch. I literally want to do them every single day. I love it. And for those of you that have not heard of She Launch, it is for female coaches, consultants, and service providers who are wanting to earn six figures online with their dream business. Inside, we teach sales, marketing, leads, mindset, AI, offer mastery, and so much more. We also have just launched the She Launch CRM. Yep, we have our very own amazing CRM now, which I'm so excited about. Now, I believe this is the best online business and mindset training for female entrepreneurs, but don't take my word for it. Here is what Eilish has to say about it. The community is absolutely incredible as well. That's another thing that I really love about SheLaunch. Again, I've been in masterminds where the community's been either dead in the water or it's just had a weird vibe. (laughs) And with SheLaunch, the community is nurturing. They're really kind to each other. They're so supportive. And you feel like you are part of something really special. So if you are thinking about joining, jump on a call and then see what you think, because I know that you won't be disappointed. And this is what Rita thinks. I have absolutely loved every second of the She Launch program. I cannot explain how deeply transformative it has been for me personally. I am eternally grateful. It is worth every cent and I would highly recommend it to anybody. And here's what Belinda thinks. Signing up for She Launch is one of the best decisions I ever made. The content is extensive and groundbreaking amazing. Uh, Melissa and all the team are so supportive, helpful, always there for you and really loving kindness. Plus the connections I've made with the ladies that are in the group have been exceptional. We're all a team. We all support each other. If you're going to do something, sign up for She Launch. It's amazing. Babe, I would love and be honoured to work with you. All you have to do is head to shelaunch.com for all the details. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Head to shelaunch.com and I cannot wait to meet you. This is episode number 19 with Tara Warner. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Tara is an authenticity agent and communication ninja who grew up in a small town where Tara learned to smile at strangers, appreciate the simple things and tell the truth no matter what. While juggling two little monkeys of her own as a single mum, 
Tara built an online business in women's health that has touched the lives of hundreds of thousands of women around the world. Tara believes an overinflated importance of how women look stole the thunder from how they live. Her mission is to help women see through the haze of the media-driven obsessions about the body to realize that the word beauty has always whispered the one thing we need to do, which is be you. I actually coached with Tara many years ago and have since become and stayed great friends. She is such a beautiful person. I love her work and her message, and I know you guys are going to love her too. In today's episode, we chat about why we are so body image obsessed and what that is actually doing to us, what is body enlightenment, how to detox our body image, how to take up space. I love her ideas around this. How we can inspire and teach our daughters to not be so focused on self-image. What to do if we have tried every mantra and read every self-help book under the sun and we're still obsessed with our bodies. What the real cost of low self-esteem is, plus so much more. For everything that we mention, you can get in the show notes at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 19. And without further ado, let's dive into this beautiful and juicy and deep conversation with the one and only Tara Warner. Welcome, Tara. Before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? just had a liter of water with like green powder, which is what I have to start my day for quite a few hours. So let's say that was was like green juice. Yum. Sounds good. You grew up in the country as a country girl, and you're now this woman's body enlightenment coach. How did you get here? I think I still am a country girl, just in terms of that it gives me that courage to be authentic and small town all the time. Everybody's a neighbor. Um, But in terms of the focus on body enlightenment and women and their bodies and their relationship with their bodies, I think that just evolved naturally out of my own recognition that I was trapped, (laughs) trapped in that livingness. It's this bit of an attention and life-sucking trap where so much of who we are and the things we can do and the space we can take becomes really tied up in an obsessive concern with the body. So I think trying to untangle those knots made me very, very interested in the subject. And then I got good at it, <laughs> untangling the knots and found myself helpful and so reached out to do it. For a lot more people. Is this something that you really struggled with personally? Yeah. And I know you have a history too. And I think so many of us do. But yes, I can remember many moments of my life where I just like if, if you could quantify the amount of attention, the amount of livingness that you had tied up in or that I had tied up in my body or my food, it was huge. It was like almost the only thing I could think about. Mm, 
And where does it stem from? Why are so many of us women so fixated on body image and what we look like? And why do we spend so many hours looking in the mirror and loathing what we see? Why? What is this fascination? Where does it come from? Where does it stem from? And why? Well, I think, I mean, there are lots of different ideas out there, but one of the things that I see a lot of is like, if you look at sort of how we came into life and how we were when we were little, everyone grows up differently. So depending on the safety and stability of your environment, but assuming that life was relatively peaceful and safe, then in those preschool years, I think we were quite courageous our ability to take up space like if you asked if you asked most little three-year-olds what they want to do they probably would say something like be an astronaut or a mermaid or a ballerina or an actress or it seems that our ability to take up space and our attention was more on who we could be and what we could do and what we could create and there was a lot of attention flowing out toward life and then it looks like You know, in my having worked with lots of women and going through the timeline again and again, it seems like when school starts, that's often one of the times where our attention starts to go inward. And I know that when it comes to marketing and media, and I think it's getting younger and younger all the time, especially now that children are being given electronic devices early and earlier, but pre the internet era, I think it was really marketing started to be targeted toward the age of 10, 10 year old girls. We really started to get bombarded by visual imagery. And one of the things I think is just really helpful to see is that our attention went from taking up space, creating ideas, dreaming, believing, playing make-believe, this sort of creative outward flowing energy to really being almost stuck in our heads or stuck in an obsessive attention about our bodies. And there are a few things that I think, but so much of it just really does have to do with that, a change of direction, so of flow, that we were flowing out, we were coming up with ideas, dreams, wanting to take up space. And then school is a lot of introversion, which is like, now there's someone standing at the front of the class telling us what to do, what to think. There's a lot of incoming flow and the communication channels change. I totally agree. And I love this idea of taking up space. For me personally, I love that quote by Marianne Williamson that goes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. For me, it kind of represents that we're so scared to take up space now and to be this beautiful version of ourselves, whatever that looks like. And you're right, you know, we kind of go into these environments where there's a lot of inwardness. And for me personally, that's where it all started as well. Like In school? Yeah, exactly. You know, I started dancing when I was three years old. So for me, that was my creative expression. And I loved just being free and dancing and twirling around. And then I remember stepping into school, literally in year one, being told no and to stop. And I remember twirling around the room and getting in trouble for it and, you know, feeling squashed. And then I immediately felt like something was wrong with me, Mm -hmm. like I was bad or I was not good enough. And that's where it all kind of started for me, this obsession with 
self and body and it's kind of grown over the years. But I love that concept of taking up space and I feel like we all need to take up more space. Yeah. And I want to stay with what you're talking about right now, because the experience that you just described is one of introversion, where you were dancing and playing and you were not thinking that there was something wrong with you. You weren't thinking that you were doing anything wrong by dreaming, playing, dancing, spinning, twirling. But then something happens and it's not to blame school, but I really do want to look at what happens when we go into school because so much of it has to do, we can't blame entirely the educational system, although I do think it's broken. And if learning happened in an environment where people were encouraged to apply information to, if we were given information that was about, well, how are you going to use this? How is this information going to help you do, be, or have the things you want in your life? But that environment of, it's just a one-way flow. And what happens is we, we don't know. So, because you described you thinking that there was something wrong with you. And that feeling is exactly what we're talking about. It happens in different ways. And we start to, especially because of the enormous amount of visual media that gets something like 3,000 visual images a day. And that was pre-having phones umbilically connected to us. But 3,000 visual images per day. And the majority of those are all just body, visual body, 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 body images. So it does start though, like you just described, that feeling like there's something wrong with me. I did something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. And that compared to the idea of being a ballerina or an astronaut or taking up space or dancing or twirling or playing make-believe or any of those other things is the opposite flow. All of our attention goes right inside of our own heads and we're afraid to speak. We're afraid to communicate. We're afraid to twirl. We're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to be wrong. And that's exactly what we're talking about, but it really does, over time, and because of all the visual media, it really does get targeted toward how we look. Mm, And then we shut down. Yeah. And we shrink and we close off. You know, for me, it became quite known to me this, you know, I call it the inner mean girl, as you know. Mm -hmm. And that voice became really quite loud when I was about 20, when I went to the Moulin Rouge and danced in the Moulin Rouge in Paris. And I saw, you know, all these beautiful women. If anyone has been to the Moulin Rouge, they will know how beautiful these women are. They're just legs for days and just so beautiful. Yet I witnessed them microscopically analyze every pore on their body, every cell, pinch the non-existent fat on their thighs, scrunch up their face when they walked past the mirror, call themselves the most awful names. And I witnessed this for an entire year and it planted deep seeds within me. I started to think, well, if all of these women are thinking this about themselves, what does that mean about me? Maybe I too am not good enough, pretty enough, skinny enough. Maybe my legs aren't long enough. And that really was the steep downward spiral for me, which led to disordered eating, depression, and a very challenging, dark time in my life. You can really see how so much of it sits on confusions. And when it starts early in school, a lot of the confusions actually have to do with language and understanding. And what you're talking about, because, you know, you said they're so beautiful. If you look at them, they're so beautiful. But I can think there's a woman in our community and she's 
she's just a big, beautiful African woman who takes up so much space and she just drops my jaw. She doesn't fit into any of the conventional model notions of beauty, but she just takes up so much space as a person. I cannot help but just like say to her, you are so beautiful. And that's really like for all the physical, uh, polit- like, because even if you look at beauty over time and the things that were validated over time, you can find ads that promote skinniness and ads that promote curves. And it's really based on whatever marketing chooses to glorify. But, but the, 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 the physical beauty that you're talking about was those very few of the women that you describe, and we've had that conversation before, were women who were being themselves. So when I think of beauty and the fact that the first two syllables say be you, that ability to take up space, like what little girl isn't beautiful? What little girl who's just playing and taking up space or any person who's being brave? It's so beautiful. And I really do think the fact that those first two syllables really kind of resonate with authenticity you can have physically attractive features and still not be beautiful because self-loathing isn't beautiful. Amen. I absolutely agree. There is nothing sexier and more beautiful when you meet someone and you can see that they are just their true selves and they are just, like you say, taking up space. They own their space. Like that is so sexy for me and is really, really inspiring. I would love to hear your thoughts, you know, because I hear it a lot and I know the women you work with, you hear it a lot too. They have very loud inner mean girls that tell them that they're not physically beautiful and they've tried every mantra, they've read every self-help book and still feel obsessed with the way that they look. They feel like they can't break that cycle of self-loathing. What can they do? There are a couple of things that I would really love to cover. And anyone, before I get into it, anyone who is in front of a word processor or who has anything where you can kind of write out a couple of words and demonst- and change their font size, it would be really helpful. And if not, just take a little note. But the first thing I want to do is just kind of go back to that Moulin Rouge environment that you were in. And the thing is, you talk about coming into that environment and maybe you had a goal or an expectation of what that would be. But then when you met that place, when you saw what was actually going on, it was confusing for you. You know, it's such an interesting thing. But when we see something wrong in an environment and we don't stand up to it or we don't stop it or we don't fix it, we become like it. So I want to say that again, <laughs> because when we are exposed to something that, is, that we know is not right. Is this like what is right for us within our own heart? Yes, to some degree, right and wrong is relative to point of view. There are things that facilitate survival and things that stop it. There are things that make life go better and things that choke it. And those we can see. There's nothing that makes life go better when a woman is stuck in her head loathing herself. So when I'm using the term right, it's, it's that when you move into an environment or you're presented with something that you know is not good for life, that you know doesn't quite add up to the bigger, better picture of how life is supposed to flow, going back to that Marianne Williamson quote you gave us, then when we don't do something to stop, improve, correct, handle, we become like that. 
And so much of it, and even in school, right? So if you had had in that school environment when you'd come in and you kind of got your spiritual hand slapped, or you actually even may have gotten your physical hand slapped, but there you were taking up space and someone said, no, don't. And because you didn't quite know how to handle it or communicate, how do you, especially when we're little and someone bigger says, no, you don't, or you can't, or you're not enough, or you're not good. How do you stand up to that? How do you take up space in the presence of something that is bigger or stronger or has more power or authority. And often what happens is we we went into our heads because we didn't quite know how to take up space in that environment. Because this is one of the things that happens is these environments where we didn't reach out, didn't stand up, didn't speak up, didn't, you know, like step up, speak up, stand up, do something to continue taking up space. We ended up stuck in our heads. But now every time we go for another self-help book and just read it and read it and read it, we stay in our heads. And we're really stuck in that internal hamster wheel. And the only way to turn this around, because I said at the very beginning, I was talking about how do we get in this? And it it really does have to do with a a change of flows. We used to reach out. We used and, And dreaming is reaching out. Deciding is reaching out. Hoping, yearning, communicating, twirling, dancing, singing. All of those things are, and communicating, speaking up, speaking out. All of those things are outflowing. They flow out from us. But worry, self doubt, insecurity, silence, these are things that keep us in our head. And even just reading books, because everyone is so good at stacking up these self help books on their shelves. But in order for us to truly do something to turn this around, you have to reverse the flow. So if you were to just sit there and add up the number of incoming media messages that you've received over your lifetime so far about bodies, for example, never mind some of the things that you've been talking about, environments that were really intimidating or confusing, but the number of times we've shut ourselves down or shut ourselves up instead of stepping up and speaking up, we have to reverse that flow. And it really does start with things like Uh, even going for walks and touching trees. And I mean, I can get into more of the specifics, but the bottom line is you have to reverse that flow. So one of the things that I'd said is that anyone in front of a word processor could do this. I call this like the springboard to success, but we really need to put into perspective the difference between being stuck in our head and taking up space in life. There are five words that I'd like you to write down. And it's starting on the bottom, which is think. And then above that is do, and then feel, and then look, and know. So think, do, feel, look, and know. And if you were to assign those a font size, think would be font size 6. And do would be the font size 19. Feel is at 32. Look is at 50. And know, knowingness, certainty is at 100. And if you compare that feeling of doubting yourself, feeling like there's something wrong with you, either wrong with you as a person or wrong with your body, that feeling of thinkingness is down there in that six. In terms of how alive you feel when you're in that space, thinking and it's not that thought in itself is wrong 
But that obsessive stuck in your head, doubting yourself, worrying yourself, that internal hamster wheel, that's a six. And it's so easy, especially because this, you know, like I was, I was realizing that I think I've done something like three social media updates in the last nine months (laughs) because I've really, I've really committed myself to getting out of that hamster wheel and putting a much greater focus on not just what is coming in, but on what is going out and putting a lot more attention on my children and on my health and on my sleep and on exercise and my own personal study. And, but, but what happens is when we are too much on the receiving end of incoming, 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 whether it's media opinions, kind of like, you know, even when you describe it at the Moulin Rouge and you just talk about all these things that you saw and all these things that you experienced, you I don't hear how you handled it. I didn't hear you speaking up or trying to handle or stop it. I, we hear you become more like that. But that incoming flow, that's really the thing. And you have to do something to get out of it. But even then, it's still at 19. So did you create that little scale? Do you kind of have that idea with me? Yeah, I've got it in front of me. So think, do, feel, look, and know. In order for us to get out of that internal hamster wheel, and it is a trap. I don't know how many years it took you, but it took a major health crisis too. Mm -hmm. When it comes to doing something to honestly and sincerely get out of the trap, it would be so much better to spend time doing something like going for a walk and looking out at life, looking at trees, looking at the sky, looking at the sunset, going into places and environments. So if you think of how people are in a shopping mall compared to how people are in a park, any place you can go that will let you look out and take up space will help you. And actually, because just by sticking yourself up on that scale at look, what will happen is if you were to go for a walk and just focus not on staring at the sidewalk and think, 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 thinking about all that's wrong with you, but looking out at life and taking up space, then just because you had done that, the next level of the scale would pop in and something would come into your awareness. You would realize something. That knowingness would would pop into you, would decide the next thing you needed to do, the next person you needed to talk to, the next action you were going to take. But it really does, in order for us to really reverse this body obsession, we have to get out of our heads and we have to engage in life. It's not this obsessive attention on how we look. Instead of looking out at life, we're being interesting instead of being interested. And this scale, I hope, just gives a little bit of direction we have to get out of our heads and engage in life. And one of the best ways to do it is just looking out. This is great. So this ladder analogy is how we reverse the flow, as you say, and how we do a body image detox or become what you say is body enlightenment. I really like it because looking at this scale, a lot of us just get stuck on the think and we're in our head and we're on the hamster wheel and we're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. My thighs are too big and blah, blah, blah. And we stay stuck in that think. I know for me, I was in think for seven years and probably longer, but really, really darkly for seven years, I sat there. Then it took a health crisis and me ending up in hospital for me to do something different. 
And of course, those doings, I changed the way I ate. I started meditating. I started chanting. I started doing yoga. I started oming, dry body brushing, oil pulling, green juicing, mantras. I did all of that. And that made me feel different. Because the way I felt was different to how I'd previously felt, I started to look at life differently. And my whole perspective on life shifted. And then that resulted in this knowingness, knowingness and that connectedness to source, God, the universe, love, whatever you want to call it. So I actually really love this ladder analogy. And it's a, it's a process. It's a step. And you can kind of go, okay, well, where am I at now? Am I stuck back in the thinking about my body? I have a lot of people come to me who are just so sick and tired of the self-loathing and the really incredibly loud inner mean girl. They're so over it. They are just done. They can't be bothered. It's exhausting. And it is exhausting because thinking is that hamster wheel. It is exhausting. So if you are tired of that hamster wheel of self-loathing, maybe you're stuck in the think and you can take yourself up that ladder, up that process to that knowingness that you are love, that you are unconditional love, and that you can take up space. That's exactly it. But it isn't because sometimes what happens is we read a lot of ideas about certainty and that feeling of certainty, that knowingness, that's really like, I guess it's just when you trust yourself. So it's the opposite of how you felt in school when you thought you were wrong. Because when you were just dancing and twirling and taking up space, you just knew that you could dance and you knew you wanted to dance. And that feeling of total certainty, that's really like the biggest... If if these words have been assigned values, it's really almost like their payoff to us in life and how much they pay off. So let's say that we are really struggling with our bodies. We can sit there and think about and think about and think about and think about our bodies, or we can get up and do something about it. In any particular area of life, if you're struggling with a particular relationship, but in this conversation, we're really talking about our relationship with our bodies. We do have to kind of climb up this little ladder, but you can even start because you'll notice, and so many people have experienced what happens, and this is part of the reason why I did this, these terms, body enlightenment, which is just, they were terms that I came up with 10 years ago, longer now, to create a, a program that it was, it started, the first one I did was a weight loss program, but I really wanted women to understand, like, don't you understand so much of your livingness is like, I just wanted to create a program that was like, believe in yourself, trust yourself, you know, believe in your dreams, set your goals. But you, I couldn't do that because a message like that couldn't get through because too many women just all that they, all they really wanted to talk about was the size of their butt and how they looked and, and how much they were aging. And so, so much attention was on the body that I realized the only way I was going to quote unquote enlighten women was if I did start with conversations about the body. So I spent 10 years just creating detox programs and then would put in that covert message about, hey, this really does come back to you being willing to take up space because so much of, especially right now, so much of that whole body conversation is about how can you take up less space, right? But but it's actually the opposite because as people, we're supposed to take up more space. But even if you just come back to this little scale, if you were to just actually look at your body, And even if you were just to do that thing, so you can go ahead, do something and you will feel all kinds of feelings. But when we, if you just confront our bodies, because going back to when you were really struggling with your health and your body was doing all kinds of uncomfortable things, 
confronting our body, facing your body, looking at it and being able to face it and handle it took quite a lot of courage. And you did have to pass through a lot of different feelings to get to the place where you then started to develop your certainty and then you knew what you needed to do. What else can we do? I always want to bring it back to communication. Because part of the way we got stuck was that we had feelings and we didn't communicate about them. So then we slink back down. So I'm big on communication, which is always a loaded gun because it's communication is dangerous. It's so rewarding. But just like you were talking about some of the things you experienced, it's not hard to see why people crawl back in. It requires bravery and courage. What is the real cost of this low self-image or low body image? Like, what is this costing us? It's like a first world problem that we can sit here and be so obsessed about how we look when there are so many people who are just trying to be alive. I just remember hearing a story, and I think it was someone, I'm trying to remember the organization, but it was a story of a woman in Africa who was going to church, and I think the entire church had been shot down, and she was one of, the whole congregation had been shot, and she was one who survived, but she survived by pretending, lying under dead bodies for three days to stay alive. And then when she felt safe, left, and I was listening to her story of survival, and then listening to so many of the stories of like people like us, and I'm sure many of the listeners on this call who are surrounded by so much, <laughs> and we're actively finding ways to not survive, to not take up space. But I really feel like the big cost of our being there, stuck on the internal hamster wheel, is that livingness is, is choked back. And one of the things we don't realize is that it takes the light and the life of two people to pull one up out of the mud. And if you knew how many people were slipping into the mud because you weren't showing up, sometimes we think, oh, well, nobody's going to notice if I don't work out and nobody's going to notice if I don't show up or, I'm, or I don't, you know, like play my part. If just you and I were to sit here and do the math on the number of lives that would not have been touched if either, of, if either you or I did not step up to the table, but the same is true for every person, the cost of being stuck on that hamster wheel, of being focused on how we look instead of how we live, is huge to life. Not just to that one person withdrawing, but to all the lives that are connected to them. That's a nice little motivator. It takes the attention off self and onto being of service. And that's really beautiful. Sometimes we have that flame inside of us to help others is stronger than to help ourselves, surprisingly. It's like when we get pregnant, so many women suddenly start taking really good care of themselves <laughs> because now it matters, right? Because there's another baby coming. So. Mm. And you have a daughter. How old is she? So close to 17. I have a lot of mums that come to me and they say, my five-year-old daughter has started looking in the mirror and saying her butt is big. And I say, well, where do you think she learned that? And she says, oh my goodness, you know, I do that every morning. I look in the mirror and I say, my butt is big as I'm getting dressed. And she's watched that. And I said, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
I'm interested to know, does your daughter have any issues around this, quote unquote issues or, you know, or how have you educated her around this? Mika is so brave. She actually had quite a, I would say probably close to 85% of her body was covered in psoriasis from the age of two and a half. She started very young being, um, having quite an attention getting problem with her skin. She's beautiful. And, um, but that skin condition and, and it flared up at two and a half and it flared up again at seven and then at 16, right at peak, um, teenage, like sweaty hormone time. And it was amazing to watch her survive being a teen with that condition and how people would look at her in the streets. And so Mika's had a unique experience in terms of her courage to um, show up and, and take up space in spite of that situation. And maybe I'll even send it to you because she wrote a great poem about it, The Skin I'm In, which would, it's pretty beautiful. I'll pass it to you in case you want to add it or yeah, we can link to it in the show notes. Yeah, I really think it's like it actually answers the question quite well. And her and that skin situation was really helped Mika see that it really is who you are as a person that makes you beautiful. There was this exercise video that was all the rage when in the 80s called Calinetics. And that's the video that literally like I did it in when I was in high school and I still do it because I just totally love it so much. And it's really funny to see how the marketing in the 80s compared to marketing now. But it's funny because Mika really, she loves having a big butt. So when someone says, I have a big butt, she thinks that's like so good because now the marketing changes. So I see that, you know, the messages that are in the media definitely influence how people look at and think about their bodies. But the truth is, you cannot deny that real beauty has so much more to do with taking up space as a person, as that firecracker that you really are, and so little to do with your shape. Because the it's just funny, the exact things that this 80s video is trying to tighten, have, have, make you have really skinny legs and a flat butt or whatever Mika's totally grossed out by because she wants to have, you know, like curvy legs and a curvy butt. So those social influences will always come in. But fundamentally, it's just so much more about taking up space as a person and trusting yourself and feeling interested and engaged in life. That's what's beautiful. Everybody knows it. We just, this body obsession is not the right thing. That's not where attention is really supposed to be to make life go right. And so you would suggest maybe really, you know, mothers educating their daughters around this? It's really hard to educate your children in anything that you yourself are not applying. I know for a fact that I am my daughter's best friend and I have so much of her admiration and it is because of how she's watched me live. So if you're concerned about your daughter doing that, you've got to get her engaged in something that makes her want to take up space as a person. So back off of the social media, get outside, go for walks, contribute, volunteer, do things, help, clean, produce, just like get those outgoing flows. And when people are actively engaged in living, their attention goes off of their body because they really feel alive. But that's what you have to do. And that's what we have to do for ourselves. Mm. 
Tony Robbins, I think, says, I think it's him who says suffering is focus on self. Like you said, when you get out of your head and get actively engaged in life, yeah, that that suffering and that self-loathing, it's not as prominent as, you know, when you're out there and you're being yourself and you're taking up space and you're twirling and you're dancing. So if there is a lot of that suffering and that focus on self, get out into life again, you know, really engage, interact, take up as much space as you physically can and be your big, beautiful, shiny self. Because for me, there's nothing sexier. Yeah. And it's taking, it's contributing. I think a lot with children, we, uh, and especially with this age of internet and social media addictions, we sometimes don't realize the cost of that incoming flow. So we were talking about it in school and how it kind of started. It's that incoming flow started, the teacher at the front of the class. But now we have like, you know, 20 different channels of incoming flows with multi-sensory flashing lights. And the internet really is, and all that social media electronics, it really is a heavily stimulating incoming flow. So if your children have, like our children have one evening a week. My daughter is kind of escaping the policies now, but we've put our family on a pretty significant internet detox because just for that reason, like it's really important to us that they be actively productive and contributing members of society and that that is what makes you feel alive is getting things done and contributing and producing and those are outgoing flows so i mean when when you say that it's you know like just twirling around in the street now probably (laughs) won't get the long-term job of detoxing our negative body image done but being productive setting targets getting things done and turning I know it's not easy because here we are, but you have to get off of the always being on that incoming flow. You know, you have to really get out. So especially with children, they have to be getting things done, contributing, helping, producing. That's so important. It's important for all of us. Mm, that constant checking, constant tapping in. It's draining, it's exhausting, and it really does disconnect you from life. The other day, I caught myself walking back from the beach, and I often don't take my phone to the beach. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it this time because I want to do a little video. And so I took it down, I did a little video, and I walked there and I walked back looking at my phone. And I got to my door, I don't remember how I even got home, and I thought, I just missed the most beautiful walk home. It was this blue, blue sky, not a cloud. It was this beautiful temperature. I was in my swimmers and I missed it. It's gone. Never get it back again. <laughs> because I chose in that moment to engage in social media as opposed to engage in life. And that moment I will never, ever, ever get back. And you know what? I felt gross and icky about it. And I thought, why did I just do that? But you know what? Like we don't have to, we can put our phones down. We don't have to be so on all the time. It's exhausting. Well, and it's really coming back to that thing like we need each other. And there's some value that comes with those electronic connections. There really is. But they're like now we sit in we sit in elevators together and we don't even look up. Like we're sitting, you know, they we walk down hallways in the same buildings and we don't look at or greet the people that are actually in our environment. So there's tremendous advantage to these interweb communication systems, but they can't come at the cost of 
the time we spend with our own family members. And like we totally, we don't even, we took the TV and put it in deep storage and then transformed our whole house into sort of more like a productivity palace where like old fashioned game boards, we just have a whole wall of, they're not game boards, they're board games, sorry. And we just, it's just that it's so many families just everybody is in their own little corner on their own little electronic device and we've kind of fallen out of communication with each other so you just have to keep that balance healthy couldn't agree more i would love to know now tara what is one thing that you're currently working on or would like to improve within yourself that maybe you know you don't want anyone to know or you've never shared with anyone I just finished working actually on a long course. It took me two and a half years, but it was really on understanding how to resolve confusions because understanding how much little tiny confusions are at the bottom of people withdrawing from life. I'm coming from a real place when I talk about these things. There was a time in my life where I definitely was stuck on the internal hamster wheel and it takes guts for me to take life on to get out of my head and make things happen, which is why the last six months, like I haven't been on social media and I've, I've pulled away from all of that think so I can really do. And one of the things that I just put in place for the first time in my adult life is sleep. Because for so many years as a single mom, I just was in survive mode. And so now the thing that I'm working on is really like bossing life around, which means the physical part of life, like my body telling it when to go to sleep and when to exercise. And that's just part of that. You know, if we looked at that scale, that's really part of how I'm trying to take my life to the next level is with more courage in how I handle and control my body and life. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school in the entire world. What book would you choose? I would choose the Dictionary of Small Words. People don't realize how much of their communication breakdowns have to do with confusions. And there are something like 40 definitions for the word hand, 24 definitions for the word of, at least 13 or 14 for the word so. And uh, because of the concentration in classes, there's just that ratio of like 30 students to one teacher. People don't get the quality of care and attention that they really need resolving confusions in school and in life. And I would put in just like the simplest <laughs> book, but it's like a totally illustrated book. And it I've just seen miracles happen when People who thought there was something wrong with them realized, no, it was just a little confusion. I love it. Let's talk about your day now. I am completely fascinated by people's little non-negotiables and morning routines and how they set themselves up for a successful day, whatever that looks like for them. So can you talk us through either your morning routine or some of your daily non-negotiables? Well, I we have three teenagers and a child with autism, so it's pretty full on. Like we have a lot on the go. I I want to start my day. I want to rise above the noise, and I want to. I just want my time first. So my ideal day looks like me waking up before anybody else at five o'clock, and then taking my time in the bathroom <laughs> and doing you know the coconut swishing and body brushing. That's I really like that part of my day and then fitting in an hour 
either of yoga or that good old 80s <laughs> exercise video that I just love so much. And then I get into a hustle mode. Then there are like breakfast to make, lunches to pack, and kids to kick out the door. <laughs> so that's what my beginning of the day feels like. And how many kids do you have? We have four together. So 16, all going on 17, 14, 13, and 10. They're beautiful. Wow. Four kids, you manage to get up, you do all of that at 5 a.m. Because I hear a lot of people, they, you know, give the excuse if they don't have time to look after themselves and they don't have time to, to do. And you are a walking example that that is possible. Time is a consideration and you, it's going to go where you let it go. And I had a friend who had very debilitating bone cancer. And she said, you know, I ignored my body for so long and I just kept chasing the things I had to do and then my body bit me back. That was a head shaker for me. And a lot of what I think people need to do is take some of their attention off of the body, but you still have to take responsibility for it. You have to, and and in fact, the more you do take responsibility for it, the more you are feeding it and exercising it and sleeping it well, then the less attention you have on it because you're handling it, just like your bills that stack up that you ignore. Negligence doesn't actually help handle things. It just makes it worse. So by exercising the body, feeding the body, sleeping the body, your attention can go on to living and loving your life instead of being obsessed about your body. Beautiful. What are three things that you are most recently grateful for? Well, I'm always ridiculously grateful for my husband. I think he's the most amazing man in the entire universe. And that I have been, I have these like strong, ridiculously grateful feelings a thousand times a day. So that's one. And I'm grateful for my daughter who's preparing to leave home soon. And she's, I'm just grateful for her courage to disagree because um, she's being brave. I don't agree with her choices, but that's why I find her brave because she's kind of like, you can take your prudish ideas, mom. I'm 17 and now I am going to do certain things whether you like it or not. So I find that brave of her. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for these moments shared with you. I just so have big, warm, mushy feelings for you and um, Nick, your amazing husband. So those are three things. You know, I absolutely, I've never met your husband and I love how much you love him and how you talk about him (laughs) and every message, every email that we have, there is always oh, my beautiful, sexy husband just got home. I've got to go. Or um, my delicious man is arriving home that day, so I can't do our Skype interview there. This has nothing to do with body enlightenment or body image detox, but I just wanted to acknowledge you for being your true self and for just speaking your truth and sharing the love that you have with everyone because it's so inspiring, Tara. It really is to hear you talk about your man, the way that you talk about him. It's like you freaking love him and you can feel it. And I feel like people don't do that enough. So thank you. Thanks. It's so rewarding for the person feeling it. Exactly. See, he's always like, man, you can't fake it that long. He's like, I always wonder if one day you're going to wake up (laughs) and decide I'm not who you thought I was, but you can't fake it that long. And I said, you know, I'm the one who benefits the most because all of that admiration, it's like, 
it's my paycheck in life. You know, it's, I get to feel amazing. <laughs> just like loving on him is so good for me. Absolutely. So beautiful. Now I've got three rapid fire questions just to finish off. And the first one is, in your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do for our health? You have to improve your ability to communicate and handle communication. 90% of all medical visits are stress-related, but nobody says where stress comes from. And stress is that, you, you talked about it, you said pushed it down on when you were talking about school and even when you were talking about the Moulin Rouge. And it's when we are in situations and we don't know how to stand up for ourselves or step up or speak up, that is when we start to slip down into that hamster wheel. So, And since stress is behind most illness, then it is absolutely just improving our ability to communicate. And I love it. And what about one of the most important things that you can do for your wealth? So, you know, your career or your finances, what's one of the most important things we can do? I would say improve your ability to reach that you are as big as you consider yourself to be. And anything is possible with persistence. And your husband is like the king of taking up space in whatever domain he chooses to explore. I know, right? Everything he touches turns to gold. But it's because he is willing to reach. And that doesn't happen on a hamster wheel. You've got to just get out. But he has total certainty. He sits up there in that knowing band of that ladder and he just makes it happen. Anybody can. It's just you have to have that willingness to reach. And finally, what is one of the most important things that we can do for love? I would say that if the thing we do for health is improve our ability to communicate, then the thing we do for love is improve our ability to receive communication and to remain present and observing when others are struggling or angry or confused or upset or behaving in ways that maybe don't help life, then our ability to be there comfortably and just observe and stay present and, ex- and be willing to receive communication is um, the thing that will most help love because from understanding comes love and it's very hard for us to understand things we're not willing to comfortably face. My goodness. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you. Before we go, I just wanted to acknowledge you and thank you for all the work that you do in the world and for articulating it so eloquently and for sharing it with so many people. That ladder analogy has helped me so much and working with you has helped me so much. And I'm just grateful for the work that you're doing and the conversations that we get to have and for everything that you're putting out into the world. I'm deeply grateful to have you in my life. Well, thank you so much for pulling me out of my internet detox because I've definitely been in hibernation the last six to nine months. So I really appreciated the chance to come and have this conversation with you. And I just love having you in my life and these little moments of sharing space and time together are really special to me. So thank you very much for including me in your tribe. What a beautiful angel she is. I hope you guys loved that episode as much as I did. I really want to encourage you guys to use her ladder analogy. Think, do, feel, look, and know. 
And also this week, really get out and interact in life, like get away from our screens, get out of our head and back into connection, interaction, being more present with what's in front of us, looking, going to the park. I really want to encourage you guys to do that this week and just see how it feels. I'm definitely going to make it one of my missions for this week to get out and be more interactive, to put my phone down more, to close my computer more, and to just really be more interactive in life. I always feel so good when I do. So if you loved today's episode, please subscribe and in iTunes, leave me a five-star review because that means we can inspire even more people together and we can get more epic humans on the show. And don't forget to tell me on Twitter who you would like me to interview and make sure you tag me at Mel underscore Ambrosini and the person you want me to interview using the hashtag the Melissa Ambrosini show. And for everything that we mentioned in the podcast today, you can check out in the show notes that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 19. And you can also check out all my other podcasts there. So before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You inspire me so much. Showing up every week, wanting to learn and grow and be the best version of yourself. I love people like you. You're amazing. And if there's anyone in your life that you can think of would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Before I go, don't forget, if you are a female coach, consultant, or service provider wanting to take your business to six or seven figures, check out SheLaunch. All you have to do is head to SheLaunch.com, watch the free training on that page, and book in your free call. That's SheLaunch.com. Head there right now, and I cannot wait to meet and work with you and take you and your business to the stars. Now is the time, my friend.